Welcome to Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. I'm Shanda Sung, and I'm a comedian. And I'm Ashley Morgan, and I'm a farmer. We've been best friends since we were nine years old. Welcome to our show, where we teach each other all kinds of things that cover our wide range of knowledge and interests. And today's episode is advertising. Yeah, advertising. I was never great at marketing. There's been a handful of things where I've had to market myself, whether it be the farm or this podcast. And (laughs) I leave that stuff up to Tyler. He's better at that sort of thing. (laughs) And you, you you run the social media. So (laughs) I mean, not well, arguably. (laughs) Weigh in listeners and let us know how we can do better yeah it's a tricky thing some people just have a knack for it Mm -hmm. you know doing comedy I just I know a lot of people who just know they just naturally kind of know how to make themselves appealing on the internet Mm -hmm. you know and um that ain't me (laughs) no I had a real hard time when I was selling makeup under the, oh, right. Under the pyramid scheme, you had to like make business cards and the whole thing and mm. send Facebook messages to people you barely know. Hey, girly. Exactly. Like, Do you want to be your own boss? <laughs> yeah. I was not very good at that stuff. I was always very much, I still am to this day, even with the farm, even with the podcast of, hey, I have some stuff. If you want it, come find me. I'm available. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess in sales and stuff, you're supposed to be very pushy, and I am not at all pushy. Yeah, that's not tenacious enough. No. No. No, but Tyler is pretty good about putting our stuff out there in a way that's appealing, and Mm -hmm. I do the farm work. He does the marketing. (laughs) (laughs) He built our website. Yeah. Our farm website. He built that himself, taught himself how to do that. Guy's wicked smart, I tell you. Who has the time? I can't learn how to do new things. I'm not learning new things at this point. He did because during COVID, the airlines did a thing in his company where they said, okay, instead of furloughing a bunch of people, we're going to do, I forget what they called it. It was essentially a voluntary leave. Yeah. And so you could pick for a certain amount of time where you chose to stay home. A sabbatical. Pretty much. <laughs> and he was like, adios, see you later. <laughs> and he was off for six months. And he taught himself Audition, which we use every week. He taught himself Premiere Pro, which does our video editing. He taught himself how to build a website. He grew a magnificent beard. It was awesome. It was like the best time <laughs> of our lives. And then he went back to work. Just living his best COVID life over there. Yeah, pretty much. And then he went back to work. And now he's schlubbing along. Just beaten down physically and emotionally once again. Had to shave off that beard. We both (laughs) cried. What a tragedy. I'm going to talk about the tragedy of shaving off body hair. So, Oh, beautiful. It's very in line with what's going on. We've talked advertising before. Yeah. In our pop culture episode, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of advertising talk in that. That's a good one. That's one of my favorites, I think. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back and check it out because... It gets a little all over the place, but in a delightful way. (laughs) There's murder. Yeah. You know, there you go. Yeah. So I did a little marketing. When I played roller derby, the league was self-owned, self-run by all the skaters. And so in addition to everything that you did on the track and athletically, you had to take a position within one of the committees. And so there were committees like athletics that was in charge of training and 
bouts and lineups and all of that. There was events in charge of putting on all of our bouts, dealing with the venue and all of that. Sponsorship was another one. And marketing was one, media and marketing. And in my first year, I was like, gung-ho, <laughs> yeah. And at this point, I was still studying journalism. And I was like, media, that's going to be me. So I'm going to do this. And so I signed up and I ended up being the chair of <laughs> media. Mm. And uh, I don't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> How do you promote a league? How do you promote these events, get people to come spend their money to watch a sport that they know nothing about mm -hmm. in a gymnasium <laughs> on the west side of town? Like, it was a very weird thing with no budget. Also, yeah. zero budget. So and this is like social media is kind of in its infancy. This is 2009. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if Facebook had news feeds yet. So it was really weird. There was a uh, flyering. There were events like when we went to <laughs> we went to Old Navy and shopped with people, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, it was a lot of posters in the hallways that led to the bathrooms in dive bars. <laughs> <laughs> Very accurate. Yes. <laughs> Very yeah. much so. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot, <laughs> lot of posts. Everybody had a poster route and uh, the league no longer exists. So Aww. I'm not going to say that's my fault. I don't know. <laughs> it took a while for me to take it down. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that stuff, it's hard. So I don't know. If you have any tips, if you're a marketing whiz, if you're a Schmidt from New Girl, he was in marketing. Was he? Yeah. Then uh, get a hold of us. <laughs> Give us some advice. We're flying blind here. We're not going to pay you or anything. No, but... no, no. Um, a handwritten card? Uh, sincere gratitude? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we've got to offer. I can give you kid art. I have so much kid art. It's coming out my ears, okay? Do you want a painting with glitter just dumped on it? Do you want a piece of paper with 37 googly eyes glued on it for no reason? That's how I can pay you. You want a turkey made out of a handprint? Done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me shuffle through the papers that are right here on my desk and show you a turkey <laughs> that is scribbled on with a marker. So, yeah, you're not far off. <laughs> Freaking knew it. I have kid turkey art readily available. <laughs> I need to make actual turkey art. Like, I need to have my turkeys walk through paint, walk yes. onto a canvas, and sell that as turkey art. Yes. And you know what? You sell it in December because artists always get more famous after they're dead. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. I was like, what are you plotting? <laughs> I don't know. I'm talking, what? The, I'm talking about the turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't meant to be threatening yeah uh, <laughs> it was meant to be a joke about how we kill and eat turkeys <laughs> you know something light and funny yeah <laughs> maybe i'm just paranoid oh clearly giving you some serious side eye now <laughs> <laughs> you're too far away you're safe yeah yeah i'm not gonna like drive to commit murder that's a lot of effort i'm too lazy if it's going to happen, it's going to be a convenience thing for sure. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> I'll just be difficult to kill. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh shit, she's running. I ain't gonna run. I'm oh, out of shape. No way. Yeah. <laughs> who, who runs? Oh wait, she stopped running. Oh, she's out of shape. No, oh, okay. <laughs> I might be able to catch her. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Did you ever do this is we're super off topic. Did That's you ever okay. do one of those apps? That makes it sound like you're being chased by zombies in your headphones. No. And they get louder the slower you go and then it gets farther away the faster you go. I remember that being a thing. I never actually did it. I don't know if I could handle it. Oh, no, that creeped me out too bad. Yeah. It's, you know, the the premise is kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know. The world's already too scary for like women running at night. I don't think we need to make it any worse. In fact, you don't want any sound in your headphones. You- yeah. Right? Oh. <laughs> is that breathing an external thing or is that from this app? Yeah. Yikes. Am I actually being chased or what? Yeah. Yeah. That must have been created by a dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see. Uh, yeah. Definitely a cardio workout, though, because even if you were walking, that heart's going to be pounding. Yeah. That's good marketing, right? That's get good you up, marketing. Just get you up and running. It's a good product. Yeah. yeah. They capitalized on the popularity of zombies. Yeah. And cardio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Are you ready to get into it? Yeah. You want to talk about some people who know what they're doing? Or not? Ooh, or not. I love that. I love some incompetency. I don't have any idea what you're going to talk about today, which is <gasps> unusual because usually we text each other. I know. And you didn't text me. What a surprise. Okay. I can't wait. Even better. All right. Let's get into it. Okay. So I'm going first today. And I am going to talk about the Volkswagen emissions scandal. Mm. So mine is kind of topic adjacent a little bit this time. But still on topic. Still on brand. You know? Okay. (laughs) So in the early 2000s, hybrid and electric cars were on the rise. Mm. And Volkswagen had a line of diesel cars, it was kind of what they were known for, that just Mm -hmm. couldn't really compete in the U.S. once electric and hybrid cars kind of started to take off. When the federal government and certain states like California started releasing updated emissions standards, Volkswagen was like, okay, look, now they got a number that goes with Mm -hmm. this, we got to do something. And so they had developed software to put in their cars that was just new technology and it was great and it was a new thing that they could promote. So in 2008, they announced that certain cars were going to be considered clean diesel. Mm. And so from 2009 to 2015, Models of Volkswagen Golf, Jetta, Beetle, Passat, and the Audi A3, A6, A7, A8, and Q5 all were considered clean diesel models. So they did this for, what, six years? Mm -hmm. And they marketed it as such. We can compete with electric cars. We can compete with hybrid cars. We are considered clean diesel. This is going to be great. It's better than gasoline. It's better than your hybrid or your electric cars. We got a good thing going on here. And they marketed it. And sales were up in the U.S. They were doing so well. And 
had such a great marketing campaign that Mm -hmm. they won awards. They, of course, got the green tax breaks from the U.S. government. And pretty much everyone was happy. They were meeting standards. They were doing well for the environment. The company was making money. The consumers were happy. Government entities were happy. It was a win, 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 win all the way around. I feel a butt coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big old butt. In 2014, the International Council on Clean Transport wanted to promote how well clean diesel was doing in the U.S. Mm. They wanted to talk about the benefits of having clean diesel. So they got together with West Virginia University Center for Alternative Fuels, Engines, and Emissions to test various Volkswagen and Audi vehicles on their emissions Mm -hmm. and on their technology. Essentially, they wanted to be able to speak with confidence Mm -hmm. that they can promote this product, that they can promote this idea, this technology. They weren't just going to take Volkswagen's scientific and marketing department at their word. At their word. (laughs) Right. And it was a good thing they did that because the West Virginia University Center found a huge variation Mm. between emissions testing and actual road condition outputs. And with this discovery, they published and presented to the public their data and their findings. And the EPA was like, I'm sorry, what's this now? (laughs) So the EPA stepped in, they ran their own tests, and they showed emissions were up to 40 times higher than was allowed. Than was allowed, not even than what they were saying it was. Yes. Yikes. 40 times higher than allowed emissions. So the EPA said to Volkswagen, explain yourself. Yeah. The hell is this? You've been touting clean diesel for years now. And this is not at all what the data is saying. This is not at all the same results that we got from our tests. And Volkswagen was like, okay, okay, okay. We'll go ahead and issue a recall on the vehicles you tested. No big deal. The EPA was like, okay, hold up, though. Look, that's not really good enough. Mm -hmm. We're not really comfortable allowing 2016 models out to the public with the same technology Mm -hmm. when it's flawed. We're not comfortable allowing you to let that out. So we're not going to certify it. We're not going to put our stamp of approval on the next season of clean diesel when Mm -hmm. the past few seasons have not lived up to the standards. And Volkswagen was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. But it's not as easy as all that because we did it on purpose. (laughs) And the EPA was like, the fuck did you just say? So Volkswagen, essentially what they were doing was the new technology that they had put in and they were promoting was emissions software within the Mm -hmm. computer of the car that essentially turned off certain features and turned on certain features while in test conditions, Mm -hmm. 
that essentially kept the emissions low. So when the vehicle was on the rollers in a warehouse or in a lab setting and was set to a certain speed for a certain duration of time, this software kicked in to low emissions mode. Therefore, it was able to pass all of its emissions testing and get the seal of Mm. approval. But what that did was decrease performance of the vehicle in terms of aesthetics. Uh So it didn't accelerate as fast. It was maybe a little rougher ride. It had all these other things that was maybe not as appealing to the consumer. So what they did on purpose was they essentially had an off switch that the computer could recognize, oh, hey, these are normal driving conditions in which we are on the road. We have a passenger. Mm. We're going to go ahead and turn off those emission controls to allow for better performance of the vehicle. And so essentially they were getting emissions testing stamp of approval. But then out on the road, the passengers are like, wow, this is great. I'm Uh driving this vehicle that has great performance, great steering, great acceleration, smooth ride, and I'm helping the environment. This is awesome. I feel great about this. Uh Uh-huh. Having no idea that when it was riding well, it was spewing out toxins. Yeah. It really, uh, having their cake and eating it too. Yes. Playing both sides of the coin. Pretty much. It's like you have a party and... You run around telling everybody you recycle and gathering up all of your recyclables and plastic. And then as soon as everybody leaves, you just burn it in the backyard. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Pretty (laughs) much. So in September of 2015, the EPA made all of this public. Mm -hmm. Not only what they found in their testing 40 times higher, but then also that Volkswagen was doing it on purpose. And, of course, Volkswagen put out a public statement. They apologized. They admitted to it. They copped to it. And, of course, stocks plummeted. Yeah. Within a week, the CEO, Martin Winterkorn, resigned. There was this huge investigation that ended up affecting 482,000 cars in the U.S. alone. Yeah. The U.S. Volkswagen CEO, Michael Horn, had to testify in front of Congress. He resigned a few months later. Mm -hmm. In April of 2016, Volkswagen announced a buyback program that cost them $18 billion. Billion with a B. Jeez. In January of 2017, Volkswagen pled guilty and paid $4.3 billion in damages. How did they not think they were going to get caught? I don't know. And not realize that it was going to cost the company this much money when they did. I don't know. People love doing testing on cars. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There are labs everywhere testing every single thing to try to figure out the environmental impact, like, how did they think that they were going to get away with it? Mm-hmm. Big, dumb idiots. In the U.S. alone, six executives during that time were charged. Martin Winterkorn, the original CEO that resigned, like, as soon as this story broke, mm-hmm. he was charged in the U.S. for fraud and conspiracy. There was also charges put against execs in Germany. 
the Audi mm-hmm. CEO, Rupert Stadler, was charged with fraud and stock market manipulation. And so these investigations and indictments continued on all the way through 2020. I mean, it was still wow. going on. But the thing is, is not only was it fraud, conspiracy, stock market manipulation, stockholders lost money. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the money mm-hmm. and the fraud portion of it. Because they were spewing out so many emissions and there were so many vehicles on the road, particularly in states that were giving tax credits for green vehicles and Mm -hmm. promoting green vehicles, states like California, who also filed their own lawsuits against the company. But not only was it a money issue, it was also a health and environmental issue. Yeah. Because those toxins were toxins. It was CO2 emissions. It was nitrogen oxide emissions it was all sorts of stuff and not a little bit 40 times the allowable amount that's an insane amount yes Mm. and so it was a whole freaking mess and of course volkswagen took a hit and indictments and investigations lasted for years this was such a scandal that it was nicknamed dieselgate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or emissions gate, which I find humorous that just I, everything I that's a scandal just super gets annoying a- that they slap gate on the end yes! of everything. I hate it. I do, too. I it's do, too. It's so annoying. Deflate gate. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything's a gate. It's so annoying. Yeah. I can't believe that I did not hear about this. It makes me like kind of ashamed of how little... <laughs> It's like, oh, I know. Oh, here's some business news. Burp, burp, boo. I don't. <laughs> Let's hear about it. How another company did something shady. I Not know. Interesting. But like, I should have heard about this. I know. Same. <laughs> or it could have been one of those you caught a blip of it and you're like, I don't own a Volkswagen. I don't care. Yeah. And yeah. moved on with, I don't live in California. I don't care. Yeah. And then moved on with your life. That's crazy. I'm glad people were held accountable for it. Oh, yeah. Yep. And the whole thing, what kind of got me on the advertising side of it was they had marketed this whole thing as clean diesel. They ran Mm. ads. They promoted themselves at expos and drove through D.C. with their vehicles promoting this (laughs) clean diesel. And yeah, they had all these different things, promotions and whatnot, and just had this total marketing campaign. Advertising clean diesel, and then it wasn't at all, really. Mm. Just enough for the testing, just to clear that testing, and then out on the road, just polluting the air. On purpose, too. On purpose. So, yeah, the whole thing was crazy. (laughs) Another thing I stumbled upon, I decided not to write about it, but I am going to mention it here a little bit, was Volkswagen also had a scandal around an ad they put out in May of 2020. They posted a ad or commercial on Instagram that came across as very insensitive and racist. Oh, okay. And it was released in Germany on Instagram and Instagram followers just ripped them apart. Mm -hmm. and was like, uh, Volkswagen, do you not realize that this is really racist? I think it was an ad for their Volkswagen Golf and it showed a city street and there was a 
car sitting there, a golf sitting there, and there is a black man walking around this car, and it shows two giant white hands manipulating the man. They're, like, pushing him around, and they end up flicking him into a building, like, into a doorway. (laughs) And the thing that was weird about it was the music was kind of corny and cheesy and there was a like a woman giggling in the background so when these white hands flicked this black man it like giggled and like ha 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 got him and it was like the weird like it didn't say got him but that was kind of the air about it and it came across as really bizarre and insensitive and just i did watch it and i was like and how does this sell a car yeah what does this have to do with the car at all that's so weird it was weird it was all in german so i couldn't read what it said but a lot of people had opinions about it and Mm -hmm. volkswagen within a couple days put out a statement like oh yeah no that does look pretty racist our bad (laughs) uh particularly because you know we were founded in the era of adolf hitler and yeah so (laughs) uh we should be a little better about this yeah we pulled it and we realized that was pretty insensitive and i'm surprised they weren't like we did it on purpose yeah (laughs) we did that on purpose uh no it was they did make a statement and it was a whole thing and they pulled it obviously but i was originally going to write that as problematic yeah. advertising but that's really all there was to it and then i stumbled yeah. across diesel gate yeah diesel gate the volkswagen emission scandal and was like oh no i like a good scandal so let's talk <laughs> that's about so that crazy i mean many things about it are dumb but that they went so hard to pat themselves on the back for so long about it like, let's just really lean into how great we are for this instead of trying to fly under the radar <laughs> a oh, yeah. little bit. They got tax breaks. They won awards. Maybe just if you know you're being shady, try to lay low a little bit. You'd think. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're going to break some laws and deceive the American public, I've got tips. clearly (laughs) you lay low you don't accept any awards for whatever you've done you collect them tax breaks though (laughs) you collect them you get as many tax breaks as you can yeah and then you resign before anybody does any research on it yeah exactly yeah So that's all I had to say about the Volkswagen emission scandal and the marketing campaign that promoted this green diesel that turned out to be more like a black sludge sort (laughs) of situation. Yep, exactly. Less green, more the color of smog. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly right. All right, so let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to your topic. Okay, we're back, and it's my turn. Are you ready for some righteous feminist indignation? Yes, always. Yeah, because I think we're going to get some out of this story. (laughs) Ashley and Shanda, Feminist feminist Podcast. podcast. We're really mad about stuff sometimes. (laughs) But not mad enough to do anything about it. (laughs) Also true. Okay. um, And in that vein, okay. 
So first of all, what I'm going to be talking about is the history and influence of advertising of razors, specifically razors targeted towards women and how that completely changed the landscape of women's grooming. But I feel like I need to give a disclaimer here that I do shave my legs and armpits and I'm never not going to shave my legs. It's too late for me is what I'm going to (laughs) say. They got I'm you. in, okay? I'm already, I'm in. It's just going to happen. The idea of growing it out sounds horribly unpleasant. But all you hairy ladies, I raise a fist in solidarity. Oh, man. Not me. If I wasn't married, I would be a fuzzy little monkey. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would be freaking Sasquatch. Don't even, I would, yeah, oh, yeah. Don't even doubt it. Yeah. If I leave my legs go for a week, I like want to scratch my flesh off. I'm so itchy and so uncomfortable and it gets caught in my pants when I walk. I can't handle it. If I got through past that point, I think I, you know, you'd get used to it. But I just, I'm in. It's too late for me. Not me, man. I want them strawberry blonde leg hairs blowing in the breeze. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're red. They're awesome. Yeah. They get long, straight. <laughs> it's amazing. Mine are um, blonde for most of my leg, and then, like, the front of my shin is really dark. That's weird. It is weird. Anyway, what am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Razors. I just felt like I needed to be up front, okay? I'm not trying to deceive you. I'm not Volkswagen, all right? I'm not (laughs) going to make you feel like, you know, I'm over here representing the furry ladies. I'm not. It's not my deal, but many, many kudos to everyone else. Um, Though I did stop shaving my toe knuckles, so hobbit feet forever. I just, no, I'm not doing it anymore. (sighs) You want to know something? (laughs) <laughs> I did not know that was a thing for the longest time <laughs> until my mother traumatized me about toe hair. Yeah. I was a teenager and like an older teenager. And it was one summer I was down with my mom and she looked at my feet and she goes, oh, my God, do you not <laughs> shave your toes? And I was like, that's a thing. Are people supposed to shave their toes? And she goes, yes, look how hairy your toes are. I was like, OK, first of all, they're not that hairy. And second of all. That sounds like a lot of work. And she goes, no, shave your toes. They're gross. And I was like, "Mm, yay, fresh new trauma. (laughs) Thanks, mom. (laughs) Thanks, mom. Now I'm going to be self-conscious about my toes my entire life. Yeah. (laughs) Love you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was around kid two. I was like, I don't have the energy to care about my toe hair anymore. I'm done. I put in the work. I put in enough years. I'm just going to Frodo it up all over here and you can deal with it. You snagged yourself a husband. Let yourself go, man. He's not looking at my toe knuckle hair. There are so many other things that are more gross about me. Just (laughs) about how I behave and, you know, it's got to be low on the list of things that bother him. Yeah, I'm sure. He's a pretty (laughs) tolerant guy when it comes to that sort of thing. I'm sure. All right. Now that that disclaimer that may or may not be more information than our listeners wanted yeah now that we're done oversharing why don't you get to <laughs> now your topic? that i've got that out of the way i feel like we can have an honest conversation about this so i want to open by saying that today women spend 
$1 billion a year on razors. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that is only for a five cartridge pack. That's a joke about how expensive razors are. Ha! They're expensive. But it's a huge industry. Massive. Yeah. Giant money-making industry. And to go back in history a little bit to figure out how we got here to this point, in the 1800s, the way people shaved, men would shave with a straight razor. They would either do it themselves at home or mostly, for most men, they would go to a barber about once a week. It was pretty cost prohibitive to go any more than that and sometimes cost prohibitive to go even that often for Mm -hmm. most people. So it just wasn't unusual for men to shave weekly or even less than that. And the way that they would shave was with a straight razor that had to be stropped, which is that thing where they have the like leather thing and then you do the thing on the thing. Yeah. Very technical term. (laughs) (laughs) We've all seen Sweeney Todd. I have not seen that. We know. I have. I also have not seen that. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you said we were going to have an honest conversation and then you immediately lied. <laughs> immediately. Oh, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, what am I thinking? Probably like older Mickey cartoons. There you, you go. Know? Or even some Bugs Bunny. There was some stropping happening. Yeah. And then you had to do that every single time you used the straight razor. And then occasionally you still had to take it to a cutler and have it honed. So it was a very involved process, not particularly convenient, and also, like, pretty dangerous, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're doing that at home. So in 1895, a man named King Camp Gillette, all-time Hall of Fame name. Yeah, I love it. Can't be better. King Camp Gillette saw this as an opportunity to get into a business to make this a little bit of an easier situation. He was inspired by his mentor, a man named William Painter, who invented and began manufacturing the crown cork, which is a bottle cap, something that could be used once and then disposed of. And William Painter's like, you know what? You need to get on this disposable trend Mm -hmm. because people love throwing shit away. (laughs) And that has informed 90% of the inventions since that time Mm -hmm. and left us with the great garbage patch in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. (laughs) But I digress. So we're talking about razors. So King Camp Gillette listens to his buddy William Painter and decides, I need to figure out a way to make disposable razors. And he decided he was going to make a safety razor with a disposable blade. And at the time, safety razors had been invented, but they were basically just a regular straight razor blade that was cut off, it was shorter, and it was clamped into a handle. And it still needed to be stropped and honed. And so Gillette said, what we need is a thinner blade that can be used a few times and then gotten rid of and you just get a new one instead of doing all of this maintenance. And it took him a while to find people who could create that, you know, create metal that was that thin, create a blade that was not too expensive to produce, you know, all of Mm -hmm. that. But eventually he did it and he patented the design in 1901. And then about 15 years later, World War I is happening and the military 
required a clean shave. So this was a departure of what was regularly happening in society where people just weren't shaving every single day for the most part. And the military said, no, you need to be clean shaven and you need to have a razor kit. And so Gillette manufactured its very own military razor kit and just exploded in sales, went to three million. And then eventually the U.S. military started buying the kits themselves and issuing them to soldiers. So as they're in this huge military-backed explosion of, mm. of sales, in 1915, old King Camp Gillette is like, you know, we could sell more if women were also buying them. Mm-hmm. So they introduced the Milady Decolleté Gillette. Wow. Just... The most pretentious. Yeah. The fanciest. The, yeah, the milady décolleté. And they marketed it towards women. And the the ad copy, I wrote down the exact copy of the ad for this because it's just, okay. So what it says on the advertisement, and I will take it, um, get on our Instagram or our Facebook. I have posted this ad so you can see it in all of its 1915 glory. But it says, a gift that is new, unique, very much up to date. A beautiful addition to Milady's toilet table and one that solves an embarrassing personal problem. Milady Decolleté Gillette is welcomed by women everywhere. Now that a feature of good dressing and good grooming is to keep the underarm white and smooth. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Gillette. Yeah. So <laughs> this is about the time that women are starting to wear less conservative clothing. Mm-hmm. So they're wearing sleeveless dresses. They have bathing costumes that are showing their arms. And so for the first time, people are showing their armpits more regularly. And so as that is happening, Gillette pounces on this and says, what we need to do is convince everyone that armpit hair on women is embarrassing. Yeah. Use of that word embarrassment is just so key to me. That stands out so much. Like, we will convince society to shame people into buying our product. I was just about to say, you know what these new fashion trends need? How about some shame? We need some shame. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Every new fashion trend. Shame. That's how new fashion trends happen. Let's make everybody ashamed to be wearing something old or ashamed to not be doing the new thing. And there's another ad that the copy was a refinement, which has become a modern necessity. And that stood out to me because it's playing both sides. It's saying this is a refinement. This is something for fancy and elevated people. This is something unique because it's not for just every person. It's if you are refined. But then they turn and say a refinement which has become a modern necessity. So this will make you unique and elite. But then also if you don't do it, you are shunned. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Brilliant advertising. Mm-hmm. Infuriating. <laughs> Makes me so mad. But damn if it isn't good at what it does. It's <laughs> deeply manipulative. Oh, yeah. 
But I mean, that's advertising. Well, that's yeah. what that is. So that was the push. It's like we need to make this taboo to have and then they're going to be buying these up. So there was some research that has been done into like magazines and advertisements from that time and how they advertise this because at that point magazines were it that was how you found out what to do <laughs> learned how to live your life essentially basically from the 1800s up until teen magazine in <laughs> 1998 when you and I were reading it and learning how to put on eyeliner even though we did not own or use eyeliner <laughs> mm-hmm. so these magazines and the way that they talked about body hair was extremely influential and they would run these ads in them. And embarrassment was a common word in there. And what they did was they wanted to separate the women's products from the men's in a very specific way and make it seem like a whole new thing that was just for women and specifically needed by women the way they did that is they avoided using the word shaving. So yeah. they didn't say women are shaving their armpits or get a close shave on your armpits. They were using the word smooth. It's important to have smooth and white underarms. It's an embarrassment for your underarms to not be smooth. Hmm. And so it was a description of an aspiration. But that's not always the result. Like, the product isn't always going to make you have smooth underarms, okay? Mm -hmm. For one, can you imagine using one of these 1900s safety razors on your armpit? I would have armpit rash, razor burn. So you're using the product and it probably just butchered the crap out of, <laughs> out of everybody's armpits. And then they're like, oh, I'm also not good enough because they're not smooth and white. Uh -huh. So I must be doing it wrong. And there's something wrong with me. I can just see and feel the shame of these women. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yep. like, this product is not working. It was less about the act, the action, and more about what should happen to you as a result of this. And so then that puts any failing, like, on you. Well. Not on our product. I will overshare a little bit for <laughs> me in my late teens and early 20s. I would get razor burn underneath my armpits very bad. Yeah. To the point that it hurt really bad. And I would just keep shaving over it because yeah. the razor burn was preferable to hair. Yeah. Even though it freaking hurt. And even though it was embarrassing because I played basketball and we had tank tops and I had to put my hands up to guard and you could see how red my underarms were. But yeah. I would die before I had hair. Yeah. On my underneath my arm. Well, at least it's a little red. At least they know I shave. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Speaking of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, King Gillette. That embarrassment you were feeling in 2000 was as a result of this from 1915. So, real uh, real build up there. Hundred years later, still feeling that shame. <laughs> yeah. Right. Another thing that they were trying to separate this from, like men's products. They didn't advertise razors for facial hair for women at all. Like, obviously, some women have facial. Well, everybody has facial hair, but it's like some have even like thicker. But they left that to the creams and the waxes hmm. because they don't want it associated with men's shaving. That's different. 
that's a different thing that requires a different product. Hmm. And you need to buy this because this is for lady shaving and lady shaving is armpits and eventually legs and eventually bikini lines. But don't use it on your face because that's the men's razors and the men's razors are different. Mm-hmm. But you do need to get rid of that hair. So use a cream or a wax. So either burn it off your face or rip it out of your face. Lest ye be embarrassed. I get I got some pretty enviable peach fuzz going on on my upper lip. Yeah, sometimes mine gets down and it'll like start to curl over my lip. So I just trim it with scissors. But it's soft. It's not like shavable or rip offable. I mean, I could like wax it, but I don't want to go down that road. So I don't. I actually do razor shave my face a little bit sometimes to get that peach fuzz off, but only because there's a product that I use that sloughs your skin off. It's like a once a week acid whatever thing, and it sloughs the skin off. And if I have any peach fuzz on my face, then that stuff gets stuck in my hair and it's a bitch to get out. So it's really (laughs) the only reason I do that. (laughs) So the plastic surgeon that I went to for the breast reduction that I had about six months ago, Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know that I had one, I had one. And they do like facials and stuff. And since I went to them for that surgery, they were like, we also will let you have a facial. It's a derma peel or something. I don't know. They're like this kind of facial. And I booked it. And then um, she's like, it is like we shave your whole face it's that like microderm you know Mm -hmm. with a little blade and they basically straight razor your whole face and then use that so it's pretty much what that stuff whatever that's what i do yeah yeah but it's done all fancy in a spa and typically costs a lot of money i guess but i accidentally scheduled it for a day that i had a comedy show and i was like i'm afraid I have such sensitive skin. Like, I'm afraid that it will, like, peel my whole face off. And then I have to go to a show looking like I've been in the sun for 100 hours. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe not. I canceled it and I still haven't rescheduled it. And I probably, I don't know. Should I? Yeah. Why not? I don't. What if my face gets addicted to them? What if you look like Freddy Cougar? (laughs) What if I do? (laughs) Oh, man. Being a woman is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I love how I'm like afraid of the facial, but I had a six hour breast reduction. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And that I was like, I'm in. I don't care. (laughs) Let's get it done. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. So before you move on, that is kind of funny. Similar situation. I will also share that I had my tubes tied about a year ago. Yeah. I have never had a pedicure in my life. But I have went and had surgery to get my tubes tied. <laughs> so Spas are scary. So surgery, yeah. we know what we're getting into. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still that toe hair shame, isn't it? That's holding you back. It is. Don't look at them. They're hideous. <laughs> oh man. So in about 1920, the razor industry train their sights on legs. Leg hair was next. So an interesting thing in one of the articles that I read was like, in May of 1924, there was a newspaper article that people who were in medical professions were recalling some of the most outrageous things that they had seen in their medical practice. And one of them was 
a guy who was like, I had a girl come in for a cut on her leg because she was shaving her leg. <laughs> this was a news article that was like, wow, that was the craziest thing you've ever seen. This is medicine in 1920. There was nothing weirder than a girl who cut her shin because she decided to shave her leg. Uh, wasn't that in the era of the fortune teller sorceress that had hands in her hoo-ha that you talked about? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> okay, but a, a cut on the leg is the weird thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we start there. This article is in 1924, and it's newsworthy that, that someone tried to shave their leg. Okay, right about this same time, hemlines are getting shorter. So the razor companies see their opportunity to get more business and they start talking about leg hair and how you want smooth legs. And so the study that went through all of these old articles and news magazines noticed that initially the advertisements focused mostly on armpit hair, and then would occasionally mention leg hair, not as often. And then suddenly it was starting to mention mostly leg hair and then only leg hair and then only leg hair during the summer months. And so it was just a seasonal thing. Oh, just when you're showing them. But then it just starts ramping up slowly and slowly. And now it's the focus of this advertising is on legs. We're not talking about armpits anymore because that's a given mm -hmm. that you're shaving those. We've fixed society. You're already ashamed of your armpit hair. We're moving <laughs> on now. Mm -hmm. As this is happening, a whole new market of additional products comes out. We're talking about uh, no brush shaving creams aftershave, different balms, lotions, other types of hair removal cream and waxes, you know, and the industry just keeps growing and growing and growing. Also, in the 1940s, due to World War II, there was a nylon shortage. So that was a huge benefit to these companies because they could say, if you are going to go out without stockings, you have to be smooth. Mm. You can't go out with no stockings and hairy legs. That's not going to work. You've got to be bare-legged completely. Mm -hmm. And it worked. Obviously, we know the world that we live in now. By 1964, 98% of American women between 15 and 44 reported that they removed some body hair. Wow. 98%. That's an unbelievably successful advertising campaign. Yeah. That changes society mm -hmm. and they continue to do all this different adver advertising starts moving in the 60s to get sexier of course right. there was a fun a funny well not funny whatever there was one advertising campaign where they called it the scaredy kit <laughs> it was supposed to be like people who are afraid to shave their legs and it was a little kit. I don't know. It had like a cream with it, I think. But the copy on the ad was, stop shaking. Sharp blades give you the best shave. Like, why are you being such a wimp and being afraid to drag a razor across your lumpy kneecap? <laughs> I think every woman has the universal scar on their knee where they yeah. clipped it a little close or on their shin. Oh, my shin. gosh. Mine is right above my ankle. 
Yeah. And it was a four inch long strip. I think I remember when you did that. Yeah. It It was was, freaking gross. It was when, yeah, it was uh, in my first apartment in college. And I remember my roommate was home and I remember (laughs) I was like, it won't stop bleeding. You need to give me (laughs) band-aids. Like I was trying to get out of the shower and it just kept, oh my gosh, it was awful. And I still have a scar from that. Mm Mm-hmm. But stop shaking. Sharp blades give you the best shave. And the 80s, of course, it gets sexier. You know, it's all the color magazine articles of women with these long, smooth legs. And they had a a razor called Just Whistle that was advertised. It was like, do you want attention? Just whistle. Oh, wow. Shave your legs. Yeah. So as it's getting sexier, it's also getting more blades. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many we're up to now. 17? Probably. Yeah. So they're putting more blades in it. The companies, you know, we know Schick and Gillette are going at it. There's a whole history there, of course, that I read but didn't want to get into. Maybe we'll revisit it in another topic of these companies trying to one-up each other and Mm -hmm. suing over patents and everything. But it just increased. And then in the 1990s, they hone in on the bikini line. It's like, now we've got to <laughs> weed whack this area as well. And then that comes with a whole new set of products that you need to use in order to avoid the razor burn in the bikini line, which is a nightmare. And then there are other parts to it. The pink tax. We know anything that's a women's razor. They did such a good job in separating the two men's razors and women's razors, making them two distinct products that they can get away with charging more for the women's products even though they're arguably worse i've used men's razors on my legs and they work better i only buy men's razors now yeah i do not buy women's razors at all yeah i went and bought a pack of men's razors from costco there's like 30 of them in there i hope i will never have to buy razors again (laughs) but men's i wasn't gonna buy women's because the women's were more expensive yeah and the men's work just fine. The women's ones, I feel like they move too much, too. Yeah. For the contours of your knee. Your yeah. face doesn't have contours? What the heck? Sometimes I'll just skip the knee if I'm that worried about it. If it's yeah. a brand new out-of-the-pack razor, I will not shave my knee. till like the third time I use that razor. Then I'm like, now it's dull enough that I will yeah. put it, do it over my knee. <laughs> 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 Gotta dull this thing down. What's the opposite of stropping? Yeah. <laughs> dulling it down (laughs) throwing it against a rock (laughs) yeah right yeah so that is the infuriating history of the marketing campaign that completely changed the way women groom their bodies and um yeah fuzz it up ladies yeah i mean i'm not going to it's too late i can't sleep when they're long (laughs) (laughs) rubbing up against my sheets getting all caught in Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a tidy way to end that. It's just it's just frustrating. Just be aware. Just live in the world being aware that so many of the things that you do on a daily basis were influenced by a bunch of people just trying to make money. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I told you before we started recording this episode that my section was going to be short. And here we are. Yeah. Your sections are never short. (laughs) Even when you say they're going to be, they never are. I have never been accused of being uh, brief. (laughs) I have been often called long-winded. So 
That's why I have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. When you're not uh, cutting yourself shaving, what are you up to? Where can we find you? I am shaving or shearing my animals every spring. How about oh. that? Oh, how's that for a segue? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, our, our alpacas get shorn every spring. Not naked, not bare. Because they want to or because an advertising exec told them they had to? Because they should be ashamed of how fuzzy their little butts are. Okay? <laughs> they should. It's embarrassing. Actually, it's because it gets hot during the summer and it's like wearing a full sweater in the middle of summer. So we shave them in the spring so they're cool. Enough has grown back by winter so they're warm. So it's right. for aesthetic reasons. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's logical and for yeah. logistical reasons. But yes, if you want to find videos of my animals, I have alpacas and chickens and a couple of cats and a dog. If you want to find those animals, you can find them on TikTok and Facebook at Crimson Moon Farm, or you can find videos, products, recipes, you name it, on our website, crimsonmoonfarm.com. But what about you? You got shows coming up? Where can we find you? I do. I've, I'm planning some things for January and uh, hoping to start off next year strong. So follow me on all of the socials so you can stay up to date on those dates when I get them booked. I am on Facebook, Shanda Sung, Instagram, Shanda.Sung, TikTok, Shanda S. Panda. And the show, this one that you're listening to right now, is on Facebook and Instagram at Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. We post some pictures of what the episode is about. So I'll make sure to throw in some of those ridiculous advertising pictures for razors. And we are also on TikTok at Passing Notes Podcast. And you can also email us at Passing Notes Podcast at gmail.com and let us know uh, what you shave. <laughs> do not send pictures. <laughs> for the love of God, do not send pictures. <laughs> yes, fair enough. Yes. Okay. Text only. Any pictures. You send us, we will sell. We will monetize your fuzzy toes <laughs> on the internet. So, uh, well, yeah. Skip the middleman, do it yourself. We already said how bad we are at advertising. Do we know how to monetize someone else's <laughs> feet pics? <laughs> feet pics? I don't think it's hard <laughs> to do. <laughs> There's always a buyer for feet pics. Yeah. Right. You nasty little freaks. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so follow us, reach out. We love to hear from you. And above all, I hope you share this show with your best friend. Absolutely. And like every week, I want to thank my husband, Tyler, for helping us record and produce and edit this show. Though he is currently clean shaven and I am terribly disappointed, I still love him, even with his naked face. <laughs> and of course, we want to thank you all for listening. This was episode 90. This was a fun one. We got off on tangents. We got riled up. We got loud at times. Yeah, this was a little off the rails. I liked it. It was fun. Yeah, it's uh, very true to our personalities. Things go <laughs> off the rails all the time. <laughs> For Shanda Sung, I am Ashley Morgan. Join us next time on Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. Tyler farts with comedic timing. That is just so <laughs> perfect. It's amazing. The one time the dog was blowing ass in the living room. We're trying to watch TV and the dog is just stinking up the room. So Tyler was getting really annoyed. And Tyler goes to get up and get a drink and he leans over and farts right in the dog's face. <laughs> He's like, you can play this game, you son of a bitch. <laughs>